obviously this is just, we have a ton of people graduating and so this is just a sample of the stories that are represented in this room and in this community, but um, we're excited to hear from them today. I, I named it Stories of a Hope Well Lived, which ties back to our overall theme this year of living hope. These are um, not stories of perfection. These aren't stories of complete resolve. This isn't like a, a 20 minute sitcom where everything is wrapped up at the end of 20 minutes and everything's not wrapped up at the end of four years. Um, but this is where these, these graduates are in this process and in this journey with Christ. And so I'm excited. And um, this is their testimonies are super encouraging to us. And so you ready? Good morning, everyone. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I got the response. So I've been here for the past four years. So there's going to be a lot of stuff. So strap in because we're going to go for a ride. So I think, um, thinking back to myself freshman year, um, I think a lot of it revolved around myself and not around the Lord. Um, a lot of what I thought was love was out of duty for the Lord and what I thought he expected of me. Um, it wasn't really anything that was not convenient for me. It was not really something I wanted to do. It was um, love was what was convenient and what I wanted to do and what made me feel good. Um, and even my major coming into Purdue, I went into engineering and I did that because I thought that's what was expected and that's what I should do as like the good Christian go and do these things and I'm going to work for a nonprofit and I'm going to do missional work um, because that's what looked good and that's what felt good. And I liked being affirmed by other people. Um, I wanted to do like clean water for developing countries and I loved to tell people that because I thought it gave me affirmation when people are like, oh, you're such a good Christian, like going into clean water, like helping women get education, all these different things. Um, so really it was for my own benefit and to look good and to get affirmation for myself um, I don't think I re really realized how much of a sinner I really was because of the good things I was doing. I thought I'd earned my own salvation based on the works that I could do for the Lord and not out of just doing it from self-sacrificing love. So throughout the past four years, just a couple of realizations that I had um, just like in a journey with the Lord. Um, the first was I had become like the Pharisees. And yes, they are the villains of the Bible, so you heard me correctly. I thought that I was doing all these good things, and that I was above other people, and I put myself on this pedestal of, oh, look, like, I led Bible studies, and, like, I, like, taught things at my high school, like, about the Lord, and, like, I told people I was a Christian, and so clearly I must be, like, loved more than others, and I must be doing the right thing, and I must have been a good church girl, but really, I was committing idolatry, and I was basing the fear of people and their affirmation and my own self-satisfying works more so than the fear of God and wanting what he wanted. And I think Matthew 6, 24 um, says it well. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So I think I'd come to kind of resent the Lord because I wanted my own plans 
but I just wanted the Lord's like stamp of approval on that. I wanted to do nonprofit work because I thought that's what he wanted, but it's really what made me feel good, and I just wanted the stamp of approval. Even though they were good things and given to me by the Lord, they weren't even my own thing, but I was trying to get boastings from it because it's what I thought was good. And I wanted my Christian resume, like leading those Bible studies and being nice to people and like going out of my way to like talk to someone who was in the corner. I thought that's what real Christian love was. But until I really experienced Christ's love, I didn't really know. And I think Jesus really saved me from myself and my own, trying to seek my own salvation through this. Um, the times when I felt the most grace from the Lord was when I felt like I'd messed up the most. And freshman year, I would have never been able to handle messing something up or making a mistake because I felt like I was less than or didn't deserve Jesus or his love. But then I realized as a Pharisee, my sins were also what nailed Jesus to the cross. And I was not above anybody else just because I grew up in church or was doing the right things. It was all about my heart attitude towards the Lord. And I needed his grace as much as anybody else. Sin is sin. And there's no level of, oh, well, I only did this sin and I didn't like do drugs or I didn't have sex before marriage. I didn't do all these different things. So it's bad, but it's not as bad as other people's. But really, in the eyes of the Lord, it's anything that takes us away from God. So I was committing idolatry. And 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says, And if I have all prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And I think this spoke to my time really well, is I thought I was doing all these things, yet I didn't have love. I wasn't doing it to serve other people. It was to serve myself. And this means nothing, basically, to the Lord if we're not doing it out of love. And I needed help from the Holy Spirit to really transform myself through other people um, to be able to live missionally and not just for my own acceptance and for my own satisfaction. Another realization is, if you don't know, I love water. I love water treatment, water filtration, everything like that. I just kind of am a nerd about it, and I think it's great. Sand filters are the bomb, so if you want to talk to me about them, I will talk to you about them because they're great. But I love reading through John through community groups this past year, and we talked about the woman at the well. And I kept thinking I was such like a Pharisee, and I was like holding myself to this higher standard. But really at the same time, I felt like I was the lowest of the low. I was this woman at the well who had no status and had actually been cheating on the Lord with another God. And I just love allegories about water. And Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. I was basically building my foundation on these things that were hollowed out and cracked, making my own broken pieces, trying to fit into the cistern, when really I wasn't searching for the living water, nothing that would satisfy me truly. Um, and I'd used these idols, these things that God had even given me, which are good things, but have been twisted by Satan to be my idols, my gods, who I was really worshiping, but felt like I was worshiping God because they were God-given things. But true spiritual formation is for the glory of God and for the blessing of others and the abundance in our own lives. So through this, God is being glorified through me loving him and learning to partner with him in obedience I'm learning to seek justice and to serve others, not just to expect something in return. And being a part of Campus House now for four years has been one of the best decisions I've ever made. I've met people who really, truly love Jesus and love sacrificially, and their love has really transformed me and taught me how to love in the same way. Having others pour into you, but also learning to pour into other people and allowing them to speak into your life 
is going to be so helpful in really having God reveal himself to you. He showed me how to sacrificially love and how I need his strength to really love people in that same way because we cannot do anything apart from the Lord. So what's next? Um, I'm heading into the world with a desire to please the Lord, not so that he'll give me blessings or so I feel like I did the right thing because I was a church girl and that's what I'm supposed to do, but because I know that he loves me and I can come from a place of rest and not striving. I'm heading to a season at awe of Jesus and who he is and his glory and how he laid down his life for us. I'm allowing the Lord to work in me as I work and I cannot do anything apart from him. I'm going in for less of a need of a plan, which is terrifying to me. I like to know what's next. Even if I don't know the full picture down the road, I am always like, okay, but like, what do I do after this step? It's hard for me to wait on the Lord and sit in silence because it doesn't feel productive to me. It doesn't feel productive to just sit and wait and be in the Lord's presence. But that's really like what the Lord is calling us to do, just to be with him. And that is all we are asked for. But I'm coming in with more of open hands to the Lord at this time and trusting him and asking him what he wants from a place of trust rather than anxiety and distrust, believing that he's going to provide for me and not for myself. I'm moving to Louisville, Kentucky. Woot woot if you're from there. Um, and I'm doing a job in consulting, which is not a nonprofit. And I would have thought that this was evil at the time that I was a freshman because I didn't think that it would be missional or for the Lord but it's actually a place that God has clearly led me to and opened a lot of doors. And I can still do consulting and live in a way that is for Christ, that is still equally as honoring to the Lord because that's what he's calling me to do. So I just wanted to encourage you guys today to um, really look at what we are worshiping, um, what we want to spend our time doing, how to love sacrificially, um, because idols, even though they're good things um, and can be from the Lord, can really easily be misplaced. Um, so just spending time with the Lord, being open to what he has, um, even if that's sitting in silence, even though that seems very unproductive, even for engineers who want to be efficient, that seems very non-efficient to sit and just listen. But I promise you, it may take a couple of times, it may take a couple of weeks, but you'll be amazed at what you hear. So thank you. You'll have to excuse me. I have a cough. I apologize. So if I've been down to, to drink that, that is why. Um, hello. I'm cold. <clears throat> there we go. Um, all right. I have to warn you. My story is super basic. All right, uh, any, any scientists? Is that, is that a 14 on the scale? Yeah? 14 on the pH scale? That's the thing? That's me. I'm a 14 on the pH scale. <laughs> Um, good, yeah, okay. I'm glad that hit. Yeah, I was, I was really nervous coming up. Okay, that's good. All right, we're good. Um, so I'm going to start uh, my sophomore year. Um, so I, very similar to Brittany, actually, so I was very encouraged to hear that, uh, in the sense I was basic, right? I grew up in the American church. I pursued things that um, filled my resume, for Jesus, as I thought, and I pursued the Lord in a way that was religious, and I came into the summer of my sophomore year. I was going to continue that spiritual resume and become an associate director at a Jesus camp, 
And one that was really good, like that, I don't want to discount what, what that camp did, but in my heart, it was, it was out of striving for the Lord. And as I went through that camp, I, um, I, I got in a relationship with a girl. And during that time, it was all self-centered. It was all around us. It was all around what our wants, what our, our needs were. And coming out of that, it imploded, it exploded, uh, big, fall, big fireball. And I came into the school year um, really questioning Jesus. And not, my, not Jesus, I wasn't mad at Jesus. I was questioning my relationship with Jesus. I was questioning how could I have walked through 19 years of my life and that have been my heart my heart, going through this camp where Jesus was so present, and my heart was away from that. My heart was not focused on that. My heart was not leaned into the Lord. And so as I, I came into uh, the school year, I really started to question that. And one, um, um, I would say one thing that came out of that was I just saw that I was broken. I saw that through my whole life, this sin had, had walked alongside me. And the enemy was so deceiving that I didn't even notice it. And that I had come through my whole life up to this point without recognizing it. Um, but what was so cool is that campus house actually, uh, there was two, two people here, a guy named Rick Whitlock and a guy named Jeff Wojcicki that really started to, to pour into me. I came to these men um, that were years older than I was. Not too old. They were like 30, 31. They're not too much older. Uh, but they, before I came to Christ, they, 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 they took me under their wing. They, they showed me what it was to be a man of Christ and to pursue the Lord in that way. And so I asked, I asked hard questions like, how, how could I have walked through faith in such a way that was dishonoring to Jesus? And um, decided to lean into that. And Campus House was a huge part of that, and I will forever be thankful for that. Um, but it, when, I, when I came to the Lord, it was October 7th, 2017. It was this guy named W.C. Garrett. I have not seen him since, guys. Uh, it was at a conference, and he... Uh, it wasn't even what he was the main speaker, and he uh, had a wonderful message. I can't tell you what it was, but um, I I pulled him off. I pulled him aside after after the the message, and I just I shared what I just shared with you, how broken I was, how confused I was about my position with Christ, and from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., this dude just shared the gospel with me, and it was beautiful and amazing. Uh, it was also it was also heartbreaking because I'm gonna show you what he yeah what he read to me uh, Matthew seven twenty one says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles then I will tell them plainly I never knew you away from me you evildoers. And so this image of people that their whole life thought that they were pursuing Jesus, and in reality, they weren't. They were pursuing an idealistic religious uh, thing. And he looked at me, he looked me dead in the eye, guys, and he's like, those people, those are you, Cole, but no longer. And he showed me Ezekiel 36, 
3626. Where's this? Oh, no, guys. I had it all figured out. Yeah, here we go. Uh, I will give you a, a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from your heart a stone and give you a heart of flesh. And he said, he said Cole, this, this is your prayer, that you pray to remove your heart of stone and be replaced with a heart of flesh, Lord. And, that, and that's what I prayed. And that night I, I came to Christ. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and what I, I will never forget that. And one thing that uh, came from that was... Um, Guys, in all, of the, all these verses that I'm saying to you, I'm, I, I didn't just, like, come up with these last night to sound impressive. Like, these, these verses have been integral in, in Jesus' work in my life. And so one thing that the Lord's really been working on in me specifically is, like, the power of the word. And the enemy attacks with lies. The enemy attacks with deceit. And the one way you're able to fight that is the truth, right? Is the word, is the word, Right? And so Ezekiel 6, or not Ezekiel, sorry, Ephesians 6, 17 says, the sword of the spirit is the word, right? And so if we are to attack the enemy, if we are to fight the lies, it is with the truth, it is with the sword, and that is the word. And so if I'm going to leave you guys today with anything, it's that the Lord loves you, and he meets you in the most basic of ways, and don't be afraid don't be afraid of how simple your story is, and also don't be afraid of how profound your story may be, because the Lord will work in, in all of those things. Um, thank you. Hi, I'm Mackenzie. Um, I'm gonna be graduating with a Spanish major and I've gone to Campus House for the past three years. Um, I'm really grateful to be here to be a small reflection of what this senior class is leaving with and just the footprint that Campus House has been um, in my time here at Purdue. Um, I just wanna start with saying, and Brittany and Cole did a really good job of saying this as well, is that I'm just very aware of the fact that I'm in the process and in the waiting with the Lord and it's never felt more truer than especially this semester. Um, I probably would have stood up here with confidence misplaced, as Brittany would have said, and it really is just a graceful and loving-filled relationship with the Lord that is open for anyone. Um, so I want to process, share my thoughts, and process just specifically over the past year and a half because um, my faith has not been very linear, and that was a hope of mine, and that the beginning of my time here, it felt very linear, and I felt like I was growing in the knowledge of the power of God, and it felt good that it was linear. However, um, I started to be real with the questions that I had. Um, I had to deal with these questions and doubts, um, and I had community here to help reflect those with me, and I had people like the Wojcicki couple and Rick and Megan who walked with me in both the good and the bad, and they didn't see me as any less than um, for these two kind of distinct places that I was in, which I'm very grateful for. Um, so first, I would just like to like kind of to summarize that. It's like a, 
Rob kind of helped me put words to this, a deconstruction and a reconstruction. So things that I thought were true about the church, I thought were true about faith, they were being deconstructed and like definitely still are. And some things are slowly being reconstructed to match more so of the Lord's heart um, for what he, how he wants his people to see and share um, about who he is. But to kind of hone in on something specific, um, I want to talk about the purpose and the appearance of the church. Um, deconstructing unhelpful cultural biases that um, we have placed on the church and then say are true to people, especially outside of the church. Um, so in, in prefacing with that, um, I didn't feel like I belonged in the church as I was entering into this space. I felt like very much so the questions I was wrestling with um, were contrasting my peers, were contrasting what was being said in sermons. And because of that, I was like, where is even my place here? Um, and very much so was this an anger-filled and wrestling place to be in. And so how did I stay? Because I did stay here and I did stay involved. Um, however, not I stepped down from leading a community group, took a different approach to being a part of a council. I kind of stepped away from this image of maturity that I felt I needed to have in order to really consider questions that, in my opinion, are going to benefit people down the road who are also struggling with them as well. And so the primary thing that kept me staying was um, right around when these questions started popping up, I shared a piece of my testimony at the women's retreat. And this was a not perfectly sealed and messy story um, that I had shared. But me being prone to be a perfectionist, the healing that I had received from the Lord, I knew it was a heavenly healing. It wasn't something that Mackenzie would have allowed herself to experience. And so I also knew that there were women who needed to hear that they had permission to walk in that freedom. And so during this period of questioning, the most encouraging thing has been the fact that these women have come up to me after the retreat. I mean, even just a month ago, someone came up to me and was just like, thank you for sharing because I'm walking in more freedom with the Lord out of this place of brokenness that had me in isolation. And I was like, I feel like I was there as well. And so that heavenly freedom that I was reminded that I still had and that these women were now walking in was like such a huge encouragement to say, there's something here, keep going, you can have questions, just keep pursuing the Lord in this. And, I, and that, that forgiveness and freedom was something that was enough to keep me here. So what did I question? Um, just to go through a couple things, I had survivor's guilt. I felt like I grew up in the Christian church and I had a great family. Um, I didn't feel like I had suffered enough to really have much to prove from my faith. And then when I would look around and see people who had real struggles, um, I, I didn't have a real response. Um, I was kind of speechless at the fact that I, I wanted them to be fixed. My heart hurt for this brokenness that I saw in my peers at school or even people here who come with stories that I just couldn't relate to. And in an insufficiency to like know how to fix this kind of thing. I wanted to reject the Lord. I just wanted to say, why would you give me this life if I just feel like inadequate to come alongside people who have experienced this real suffering? Um, and secondly, I carried the other's salvation on my back. So women who I would be walking with, um, roommates, friends that I would meet, family that I still have at home, I would make their salvation my own responsibility. And that is just not something the Lord calls us to carry. I was making an idol of something that he cares for. That's his heart is for people to accept the gift of salvation. But my eyes were casted on that and not him, the giver of salvation. And so um, going off of that, just one question. If God is so powerful, I can work and strive for someone to know the Lord. That was just a mis miscommunication, just a thought that I had had that was really unhelpful. And um, to give 
a glimpse of how Campus House people here have helped me process through these. A friend of mine, Taylor, who I, I don't know super well, but was super willing to open up and share with me at the beginning of the semester with her story in that she said, Mackenzie, if one good Christian had walked across my path, I would have just thought, wow, that's a really good person who I'm not, I can't compare with them. Like, that's unhelpful to think about. However, the body of people who walked across my path over the past few years with a common thread of love, that was what caught my attention. And so this, this responsibility that I felt personally for the lives of other people slowly faded away as I began to see that there was a body effort that the Lord intended, and he really does see as being significant um, to be a part of bringing people to see, to see the truth. Um, and secondly, why did I feel ashamed to share my faith with people who didn't know the Lord? This is the thing you're not supposed to admit, but I definitely felt shame. Um, and I had to question, like, why, why is this? And it goes along with understanding, um, like, paying attention to how society is working and how the church is being perceived, not to assimilate, but merely so I can come alongside people who see the church in, in a negative light or see people in a negative light and understand what that is and how I can try and combat that. Um, something helpful that Ralph had shared with me is if you don't pay attention to the news because it doesn't affect you, that's a privilege, but you definitely have the opportunity to know what's going on in order to protect or fight for those who are being affected. And so kind of a response and conclusion to that was, our faith is not a justification for, for conservative political views, and that was something that I felt very harshly was rubbing up against, um, something that was supposed about my faith, something that I wanted to hide from, because I knew if I said I was a Christian, these ideas would pop in people's mind. This is the kind of girl she is, when in reality, that's not true. Um, so that's why I was in this like shameful place, but it was helpful to be honest with myself and say, I, there was shame, but it but it was because of the, the wrong image, because I've seen a love here that doesn't match that. I'm not, I'm not invested in my faith because it aligns with the political view. Our faith doesn't align with the political party. It's not supposed to. The Lord's name brings unity and not common opinion. Um, so with this, um, where am I headed? My questions are still very present because I graduate, they don't leave, and I'm not going to give up on them. As I said, I'm in the process and in the waiting. And so it's even unhelpful for me to say, oh, this was my season of questioning because as a growing believer, it's just going to continue. Um, it's actually led me to my job that I'm going to be taking, working at um, a legal clinic in Indy with immigrant women who have been victims of domestic violence. This is going to be... Um, a challenge for me in multiple ways, working with a Christian organization, working with people who are experiencing brokenness that I, I can't relate to, um, per se, but the matter of the fact is, it's not in what I'm able to bring to the table, it's the fact that I can come to them with the Lord, and um, this, this position and fellowship is very much so inviting question, and how does faith and justice work together, so that people aren't um, moved away from the church, but rather come close and come near and see that um, being a part of, for example, low-income community, that is at the heart of Christ. And so it's not this, like, picture-perfect, oh, um, going into some sort of ministry. If I found my worth in achieving this job, I'd be completely missing the picture. The Lord cares about how my life looks in the job, outside of the job, and how I'm still pursuing him to continue to be molded to look more and more like him. So it sounds nice, but like it's going to be tough. And I don't receive a reward greater from anyone than anyone else for, for doing um, any kind of work like this. And so 
as even with that, as I reflect on my time here and what's valuable, it's not these achievements. It's not, you know, oh, I did it. I got the degree. I got this job. It's the fact that I had a whole list of people I could have quoted today and how they've come alongside me and helped me receive grace or helped me process through these questions and encouraged me. Um, it's just a great community. And I found the more that I put into it, the more honest I was with where I was, the more that I got out of it. Not necessarily in this like linear trajectory of like growing, but things were beginning to make more and more sense. And so being raw in community can be beneficial, potentially more difficult, but I think more beneficial. Thank you. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> um, my name is Katie. Um, I'm a senior graduating in two weeks, um, and I'm studying human services with a minor in Spanish. Um, so I'm just going to walk you through what life was like for me before I started Purdue, um, the formative work of Jesus while I've been at Purdue, and then how he's continuing to transform me today. So say a prayer. Here we go. Uh, when I started at Purdue, uh, my faith was kind of surface level. Um, I grew up in a church that I didn't really feel invested in, um, and so when I switched churches in high school, I really only thought about God on Sundays. Um, it was something like, you know, he's up there, I'm down here, we love each other, and that's really all I need. Um, it wasn't a relationship at all, um, and so I was pretty hesitant um, to pursue my faith outside of high school uh, when my parents weren't, you know, poking me to go with them on Sunday. Um, but I tried Campus House because my home pastor and his wife actually came here when they were in college. And they were like, hey, I think Campus House is like still a pretty cool thing. You should try there. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. Um, in my life before I started at Purdue, uh, I was pretty confused. Um, I didn't have a major. I came into Purdue exploratory uh, because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had a lot of ideas about what I didn't want to do, um, but did not know what God was calling me to. Um, and then in terms of my personal life, I had been dating um, the same boy for four and a half years, um, and that relationship was really unhealthy uh, in a lot of ways that I didn't really let on to a lot of people. Um, so we started dating when I was 14, um, and for four and a half years, I was uh, emotionally and sexually abused. Um, and so coming into college felt really scary, um, and I felt like I did not know where I belonged or what I was doing. Um, so I was really lost. So when I came to Purdue um, in September of 2016, uh, my relationship really crossed the line, um, and after I was raped, my um, mom found out through a friend, and so I got a visit from my mom um, with an intervention from her and my twin sister uh, begging me to get out of that relationship, um, which was probably the hardest thing that they've ever done and definitely the hardest conversation I've ever had. Um, so the next day I got out of that relationship and saw a couple of options. Um, I could really invest in Jesus or I could go out and drink <laughs> uh, and party and do you know what I thought was kind of stereotypical about the college experience. Um, but growing up with alcoholics in my family, uh, alcohol was not really a viable option for success. 
Um, so I decided to try out church for real. Um, so I ended up opening up to my community group about everything that had happened. Um, and I was really invited into a safe space to just meet Jesus where I was at. Um, I talked to Leah Shrump. I started therapy. I was going to two Bible studies a week plus church. So I really felt like I was found um, and this was where I was supposed to be um, and that God's redemptive work was really happening. Um, through the grace of Jesus, I've been learning a lot, not too much because I still have a long way to go, um, but I've really been learning about my value um, and where it comes from and that it really comes from Jesus alone. Um, I've been learning about forgiveness, what that looks like to forgive myself and to forgive other people in my life who have hurt me. Um, and I've really been working on navigating um, what God has for me in terms of sexual purity um, as I await my future husband and what that will look like. Um, but I realized after about six months post-breakup um, that God did not cause any of that stuff to happen, but he was definitely going to use it, um, definitely going to use it for his glory. So I decided to major in human services, which essentially I study people, how to help people. And I really wanted to use my story to help others and to turn my pain into purpose. Um, with Christ now, I feel so much more at home uh, and so much more safe and loved and forgiven, um, which is something that I don't deserve. Uh, we don't deserve it. Um, God did not send Jesus um, to come save us from really hard situations. Um, he didn't come to save us from really great situations. He came to save us um, because we don't deserve it, but he loves us that much anyway. Um, so I've really been learning that. I've been learning to let God trust me, trust him more, um, to put all of my faith in him and to really let him guide me as I try to navigate what life will look like after I leave Purdue. Um, and I really realized that I don't want anything uh, unless God wants it for me. Um, and there's nowhere that I'll go or where I've been that God hasn't already been there. And so I find that to be really comforting. Um, I've been really blessed with Campus House to lead a community group. Um, I've learned so much in that with my wonderful family group and the girls that I have around me has been really amazing. Um, I'm going to graduate school for school counseling, um, but the story of redemption uh, and success is really all from uh, the grace of God and how he has really restored me. Um, but I need saving every day um, because I'm human and I sin. Um, and so God has really just wrapped himself around me in that and really given me his amazing grace um, to feel so comforted and like a place I belong. Um, and he did not send Jesus just to save me from hard situations. Um, he saves me every day because I need saving from myself. Um, and he did that through Christ Jesus, even though I don't deserve it. Um, he helps me every day with provision, forgiveness, trust, where my value is. And I feel really grateful to have um, been a part of Campus House and to have that experience here. Um, so will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Oh, Jesus. Um, 
thank you so much for the opportunities that you've given us here to worship together, um, to hear about your reformative and amazing work in seniors around us. Um, I pray over the congregation today. I pray over um, anyone who's struggling um, and anyone who is finding success. I just pray that you would be with them. Uh, you would wrap your arms around them. And I pray that um, you would just continue to show us uh, how worthy you are of our trust uh, because that is so obvious in your character. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello, I'm Brock. You're probably all wondering why I'm dressed up right now. I didn't dress up for this. I have something right after. Um, <laughs> figured I'd just get that, just square that away really quick. Um, but I'm from Fishers, Indiana, so northeast Indianapolis. Um, I'm a senior studying industrial engineering. Um, I've had the fortunate opportunity to be involved in Campus House over the course of my four years here. And I'm also in Fiji, which is a fraternity on campus, um, hence why I'm dressed up right now. Um, so honestly, um, I kind of just wanted to use this time to testify to what God has been doing in my life, the redemptive work that he's been doing in my life um, the past four years, and also kind of what I've been able to participate alongside him in um, with some lives of those around me during my time at Purdue. Um, also, while I was um, discerning and praying through what I wanted to speak about, um, kind of three things highlighted um, in terms of themes throughout my four years here. Um, and from what I've noticed from different pastors, everything kind of seems to be in threes. Um, so I think that is pretty cool. Um, but it's um, my identity in Christ, God's desire for intimacy with him, and the last part being trust and obedience. Um, and I don't really think it's just something um, that is for my life. Um, I think the reason I want to speak on these things is because it really is for um, all of our lives too. Um, so um, this first theme in terms of identity, um, I came to school as um, a believer in Jesus. Um, I would say I was very young in my faith um, when I came to school here, um, but I did want people to know him. And I didn't know why, but I had a heart for Greek life. I think I came and didn't really understand what Greek life was, but um, a lot of my friends in high school, I thought resembled um, kind of like the stereotypical Greek life. And I was like, you know what? I was comfortable in that. Let's go um, get even more, or I was uncomfortable in that in high school. Sorry, let's just even get more uncomfortable um, with Greek life. Um, but I didn't necessarily know why. Um, but I saw that there was a need for Jesus there. Um, but I also had this desire for um, community um, and friendship uh, with guys. Um, even though I had a faith um, coming into school, I think a lot of it was still wrapped up in works. So like I need to do this in order for um, Jesus to love me um, or um, really have a sense of identity. A lot of that was wrapped up in works, like who I was talking to, who, was I, who I was coming alongside, who I was sharing faith with, how I was spending time with guys, and how I was reaching out to them and loving them. Um, but I think a lot of my freshman year was uh, Christ was redeeming me from 
this fear of man and really just sticking out in crowds. Um, so uh, I was the only I was the only guy uh, freshman year who was walking with Jesus in a group of thirty guys, um, which was really challenging. Um, but Christ was doing redemptive work in my heart throughout that. Um, and he was redeeming me from this fear of man, but he was also redeeming me from these feelings of having to earn my salvation over and over again um, because that was a finished work that um, he completed on the cross. Um, and really what stuck out to me too, like going throughout freshman year, uh, was Romans eight fourteen through 17. It says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are, now, if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And I think by the end of my freshman year, I was really... Like, Jesus had, like, we had arrived at this place where I really felt like I was his child. I wasn't earning, I couldn't earn my uh, father's love. Um, but I really felt like I was adopted into his family, and I was operating um, out of the excess of his love that he had for me. Um, and, like, that is for all of us. And so moving on to... The second point, so like God's desire for intimacy with him, like he wants an intimate relationship uh, with all of us. Have I been holding this close enough the entire time or no? Okay. It just, wow. <laughs> but um, the second one, this, this has been hitting me uh, pretty hard, just like the power that um, like our conversations, our prayer um, that we get to participate in with God and this is a quote from Oswald Chambers. It says, prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Yet we think of prayer as some common sense exercise of our higher powers that simply prepares us for God's work. In the teaching of Jesus Christ, prayer is the working of the miracle of redemption in me, which produces the miracle of redemption in others through the power of God. The way fruit remains firm is through prayer but remember that it is prayer based on the agony of Christ and redemption, not on my own agony. We must go to God as his child because only a child gets his prayers answered. And I think this next season of life is like, all right, like my identity is in Christ, but like he is longing for a more intimate relationship with me and a more intimate relationship with others. Um, and like through that continual redemption and this continual invitation to participate um, in what he was doing, uh, it really opened up my eyes uh, to kind of what he was doing in guys' lives in Fiji. So at this point, there were, there were a few guys who had been following Jesus um, in the house, but obviously you are a, you are a mass minority in terms of uh, following Jesus faithfully in a fraternity. And really what opened up in this season for a lot of people was just, all right, how are we going to be interceding on the behalf of others? Because like we, like Jesus did not withhold his love from anybody. Um, and it sounds crazy, but we would get together and not in a judgmental way at all, but it would be like, all right, like what, 
like what three guys could you never see come to Christ? And we would, we would write them down and like commit to praying for them. And like you would think in the physical, just like all of us, like I think we withhold the love of Christ from a lot of people in a lot of ways, but like God, he doesn't care about us and our judgment of other people. Like he wants to see um, his children reconcile and come back to him. So we'd participate in prayer for guys we never thought would come to Christ. And let me tell you, uh, a lot of those guys came to Christ, um, which is very humbling. And it's not by my own doing. It's just literally um, God wants us to be intimate with him and pursue him. And he really laid out what he was doing in other guys' lives um, for us. And that leads to this last part, uh, just trust trust and obedience. So like we have our identity in Christ. We know he's longing for a more intimate relationship with him. But like I can believe in Jesus, but do I actually trust in him? Do I actually trust in do I actually trust in what he's going to do or what he has planned for my life and am I going to obey it? And what came to mind then uh, is 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18 and it's pretty simple. It says rejoice always pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And for me, I think going throughout college, it was always like, well, what is God's will for my life? Is it this vocation? Is it spending time with these people or what is it? And I think I was in this season just reminded and redeemed through the fact that the calling is always to Jesus. It's not to, uh, exactly this person, this vocation, what I'm going to be doing. It was always to Jesus. Um, And so rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So that's not just like, all right, like I'm going to be in 24-7 prayer, like seven days a week and not sleep ever. But it is literally living in communion with the Father. Um, And I think what was also highlighted in this is giving thanks in all circumstances. Um, I think a lot of time we can be, especially when it comes to ministry and with our friends, um, like we can oftentimes be discouraged because we're like, man, like God, God's not moving. Um, And I think that's absolutely false. I think the reality is he's always moving. It's just our eyes and our ears and our hearts are not open to how he's moving um, in our lives or in our friends' lives. And so I would say the prayer is, like, if we are operating out of praise and thanksgiving, I think discouragement goes away. And I think um, we are really opened up into how Jesus is working um, and interceding in our friends' lives. Um, And I believe that, I believe in Jesus and through his continual work in me, um, but there's a point where you actually have to start trusting him. Like, I I believed in Jesus, and I believed in the fact that he could save a lot of my friends um, in Fiji, but it actually wasn't until a lot of us started trusting in the fact that Jesus was going to save um, a lot of guys in Fiji and that we were being obedient to him and participating in what, the work that he was already doing um, that we saw that happen. So we're partnering with him, what he's already doing, um, and when that, when that revelation came, uh, I mean, there was pretty miraculous things that he was doing. Um, like, there, 
don't know, like two of my best friends are over there. They've given their life to Christ. Um, a lot of guys have given their life to Christ. And it's very, like, we just get a partner in the work that God's already doing. It's nothing that um, that we're just doing on our own or mustering up the strength to do, but, like, we actually get to operate out of the identity that we have in Christ. We get to grow in a deeper and intimate relationship with him, and then we get to trust and obey the kind of the, what he already has planned um, in our lives and in the lives of um, our best friends. And so I learned a lot of this in my community and time at Campus House, and I'm very thankful for the past four years of um, kind of being surrounded by this community of believers and staff and um, felt very empowered to um, lead and love guys well during my past four years. Um, I'm very thankful for this continual renewing and the sharpening of myself and my best friends that the Lord has provided. Um, I'm not too scared to graduate <laughs> in two weeks. Um, it's pretty bittersweet. Um, but I think the last thing that I want to say is, uh, I don't know, I'm not too scared because I get to... Uh, do life with my best friend after I graduate, so I get to marry my best friend over there in like a month and a half, um, but yeah, that's really all I have, <laughs> so shout out. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being you. <laughs> yeah, so I've had a lot of crazy visions for things to do, um, and Hannah has been there uh, to hear out all my crazy stuff with guys, um, and she's empowered me and loved me well during my last four years. So I can go without thanking you as well. But thank you guys. My hand got super sweaty. So. No worries about that. Um, wow, so many friends in the crowd. This is awesome. Um, hi, all. My name is Laura Boot, and I'm super duper excited to get to share what God's been up to the past four years at Campus House. It's kind of weird and surreal up here because I've sat in the like crowd for four years being like, oh, these cool, wise seniors, like sharing what God's been doing. And I'm like, oh, no, it's me. I don't feel cool or wise. But um, I'm just going to share a little bit about kind of the heart space I was in going into college, early years of college, what God's been up to and his continuing work in me um, that he's doing postgraduate. So coming into college, I really wanted to do college well. Um, I had amazing role models, mentors, older friends, and I really wanted to replicate what they did or accomplished in college. So I did all the things. Um, I joined Greek Life, free student organization on the planet, campus ministry, studied abroad, four internships. I wanted to do all these good things, but and I wanted it all, and then getting it all comes at a price. I think a lot of people talk about failure, but I think it's also important to talk about what happens when things go well. Um, from feeling disillusioned when I got what I worked for and wanted and feeling burnout were common themes throughout the early years of college for me. Um, essentially, I was a train wreck on the inside, but was too afraid to let others to see that I wasn't doing well. Um, dealing with anxiety, exhausted, didn't care, and I forgot why I did what I did. I was very comfortable being Laura Boot on the outside, but very uncomfortable showing Laura who I actually was on the inside because I thought everyone had these expectations that I had to be perfect all the time, that I wasn't allowed to frown, that I wasn't allowed to fail, 
and that if I got a B, it was the end of the world, except for an accounting, because that's horrible. Um, and I wanted to be a light in the Greek system, but there are moments when it didn't feel like I was making a difference at all and felt really discouraged. Um, I knew God was moving there, but I couldn't see it, and I forgot why I joined in the first place. Um, the titles and the reputation weren't anything. Um, my resume and reputation took precedent over what God said about me. Um, I still struggle with that, but God in his faithfulness showed me that he is the source of my identity. Um, God met me in my selfishness and in my sin and in my good intentions gone wrong. He taught me that I'm rooted in him and these other things don't define me. Though he uses these things, they're not bad. They're not something to be scared of. Um, but without him, all of these things are futile and temporary. Internships end. Leadership terms end. People forget your name. Your time in Greek life ends. But your hope in Jesus and Jesus alone does not end. Um, something cool that I learned about God in college is that he works in all sorts of ways. Um, in his goodness, God let me fall apart internally. Um, let me tell you, in that moment, it did not feel like his goodness. Um, I was pretty angry. Um, when I reached somewhat of a breaking point in order to receive his grace and goodness and acknowledge my reliance on him, it took that point to understand that I was broken and that I needed his grace and acknowledge that I needed him. Sometimes I think about why God brought me to that breaking point. Um, partially my own stubbornness and sin brought me there, but God used that opportunity to redeem it and redeem me. Um, through cycles of me being a human and falling into old patterns and turning back to God, he revealed his goodness and his persistent pursuit of me. The Lord is good and he wants what's best for us. He loves us. I knew this on paper from the time I was a little kid. In church, in Sunday school, front row, Jesus loves me um, every week. But I didn't understand it. Um, this year reading in John, it's been really impactful in our community group. We read the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, um, which is kind of a continuation after Lazarus died. Jesus comforted Mary and Martha in two different ways, um, kind of in a ministry in, of tears and truth, as we explained. Jesus comforted Martha with words of truth and Mary by just being there with her, in the sadness with her. From this, I learned that I don't have to approach God and my brokenness in just the right way. I don't have to be on for God. He meets me where I am, in my emotions, even when things aren't perfect. The image I curated in some areas of my life overflowed into my prayer life, thinking I had to maintain my image before God too, to always pray prayers of joy, never sorrow or frustration or sadness. God wants to meet me where I am and reveal himself to me. There's more of me showing up in my prayers. I'm able to be w more aware of myself even. I wasn't willing or able to look at myself in an authentic way. Um, I didn't know how much or how to even meet myself and meet God in that place. Um, in terms of scripture, the Psalms have been really impactful on my life in college as a place of rest and growth. In the beginning of college, I tended to turn um, to the Psalms for comfort. As I've grown in facing identity stuff and in those areas, I've turned to the Psalms in times of pain and learning to pray from those. The people who wrote the Psalms were experiencing all sorts of them and they articulated them to God. He met me there and he will meet me now because he promises to. Psalm 63 has been particularly meaningful since my freshman year of high school. Saying this out loud in a short talk in front of the room sounds like it's kind of been a short process. Like, oh, great. Like, wow, you grew through this. It's been four years of stumbling again and again in a 
because I'm human. But that's the beauty about our relationship with God is repentance and going back to his feet because that's the point. It's not like we fix it once and it's one and done. Um, He's constantly renewing us again and again. Um, For a long time, he's been teaching me how to walk with him, how to trust him, and how to be obedient. And I'm learning to find the beauty in the baby steps. Noticing when I don't get anxious over something that would have wrecked me a few years ago. Or feeling um, a knee-jerk reaction to make everyone like me slowly go away. Um, Despite talking about what God's been doing in my heart and basically about just God's story and me, in reality, things have become a lot less about me the past four years. From my viewpoint of discipleship to being the good Christian girl in Theta, it just becomes less about us when we are cultivating a desire to follow God's lead and not what the world or the social sphere says we should be doing. And as I leave this beautiful mushroom building um, and leave Purdue, I'm leaving Purdue different um, than when I stepped on campus and in these doors. I was following Jesus when I got to Purdue, but he changed me during my time here. It changed where I placed my worth and my identity. Freedom from doing everything right and seeing obedience as walking with God every day instead of checking every single box. Um, And as I leave this summer, I'll be working in Indianapolis at a marketing firm, and then I'll be moving to D.C. in August. Jobless because I feel like God's called me there. And if you would have asked me freshman year how I would feel about graduating jobless, I would have been terrified. Um, But knowing that that's what I'm supposed to be and God will provide is really exciting. What I've learned enables me to move to Indy and D.C. freer, more free to love and minister from the grace of Jesus because I learned how to show myself that grace, freer to fail or to succeed knowing who Jesus is and who I am because of what he's done. Thank you, all three of you, for sharing that. And uh, just the, the themes and the threads through those stories and how each of those hit us in a certain way is uh, really the, the awesome value of sharing our stories together. And part of this time is to reflect on what God has been doing, but part of this time is to really be sent out, and the, uh, the Emmaus Road passage that we've been in in Luke 24, um, after the guys run back to tell the others that they had actually seen Jesus, that he had revealed himself to them, then while they're in that room, Jesus appears, and he says, don't freak out, it's me, and he says, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out. And in Acts chapter 1, he says, um, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That there's this ripple effect that will go out from the reality of the resurrection into all of the world. And in a very real way, the same thing happens here at the very center of campus. If you were to To make an X across the map of Purdue, this would be the centerpiece. 
Not that campus house is all of that, but that God in his grace has, has allowed this particular intersection to stand for and to be a place of, of reaching and equipping and then mobilizing all over the world. God is doing a work in you, but God is also doing a work through you. And so we want to, before we leave today, um, we want to commission you as you go. I'd like, first of all, uh, all, all of the graduates um, between now and August, could you stand up? And... That's, that's cool. If you're, standing, if you're sitting around them, can you like, stand up? next to them, and what we like to do is we like to pray over people, and it's, there's nothing freaky about that. Just, just can you put a, a hand on their shoulder, and we want to pray uh, for them, part of that commissioning. Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for these men and women. We thank you that they've been a part of this community. Thank you that some of them have uh, really met you uh, here. Some of them deepened their own walk with you. And that has not been in the absence of questions and even doubts and struggles, but that has been completely enveloped by your grace and your truth. And so, so as we send them out, Lord, we send them out knowing full well that they are being sent out in your presence, abiding with Jesus. And Jesus, you said that if we are attached to you, then inevitably we will bear fruit. That's not our own doing. That is the work of the Spirit in and through. And so, so we pray for good fruit. We pray for protection. We pray for provision. We pray that a sense of your presence and power, a lot of P words here, would be evident in and through their lives wherever they go. So we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys have a seat for a second. Um, if you this summer are involved with some sort of uh, a mission trip or, or short-term trip or outreach or are working at a, a camp, some sort of like hands-on ministry. Could you stand up today? Is anybody doing that? Okay, cool. Good. Good. Well, we want to pray for you too. So, um, you know the drill. If you're sitting around, come on. Lord, we want to pray for these men and women just as an extension of this community that whether they are in Berlin or Spring Hill or to the uttermost parts of the earth, God, that this ripple effect of your grace and your hope will be evident through them. Lord, inevitably, they will be in positions that they will feel over their head that they do not have the knowledge, they do not have the words. Sometimes they don't even have 
the literal language to do what needs to be done. And so, Lord, would you, in your loving power, empower them for this task? Would you encourage them and would you protect them from the enemy who would want to really steal and destroy and who would want to frustrate, confuse? God, we pray for good fruit through them as well. And that they would come back with stories of redemption and stories of Jesus moving in a powerful way. So hold them tight. Um, some of them are fundraising, and so would you provide for them in your grace. Amen. Amen. Um, Is Megan, Megan, where are you? There, you're right in front of me. Hi, Megan and Sarah Joe. you can stand up. <clears throat> this is your favorite. So we have this program called uh, Associate Campus Ministry. And it's a two-year deal where people who graduate come and they, they raise money in order to serve in this place for two years. And so um, every year we get to welcome some and we get to send some out. So Megan uh, has been with us the last two years and she is going to Gordon-Conwell Seminary in Boston. She'll have a good accent. She's going back to the East Coast where she's from and um, she is Really, just her desire is to do ministry with her life. And so we want to bless you and thank you. Sarah Jo, SJ, uh, she also is wrapping up her ACM, um, but uh, she's going to stick around for another couple of years as we transition into this unknown territory that we are going to be in these next three years. And so, um, so she also has impacted this ministry in some really cool ways. Her role is going to shift to uh, helping us kind of quarterback, you know, all of the the, the moving parts of moving out of this space and tearing this space down and building a new building. And so, so thank Sarah Jo as well. Stand up and pray over these two. Ralph, you want to pray for me? Thank you for the way that you look on them. Your presence is so felt just when they walk in the room. Just this morning, just feel your affection for them. You're proud of them. 
So thank you, Lord, just for their servant hearts and the way that they have loved this community so well. Lord, I know we don't always get to see the fruit of obedience. But Lord, this morning, would you just give them a taste? <laughs> a taste of the fruit of them listening to the call to love well. To live well with their whole lives. Would you bless them as they leave and stay and change and grow? Would they feel just the reality of your love for them. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let me ask you all for prayer as well. I mentioned that these next three years are going to be a bit of uncharted territory for us. And this next year, for those of you that are coming back, raise your hand if you're coming back. Your role in this next year will be really vital. We are thinking about these next three years as a, a time of preparing for a year in exile, a year in exile, and then the third year being in a new space. And so we haven't ever done that before. And we already are making plans for a year from now, the last three Sundays of, of next April, we're actually going to be worshiping in our, in our exile space, which will be Fowler Hall in Stewart Center. And so we want to get used to that space before the next year hits, you know. Over this next year, we'll be, we are already looking at the scope of our ministry. God, where, where are you moving us for this next five to ten? We want to be obedient to that. We want to, in the words of, of Brock, we want to trust God for his vision for this place and then step into that vision. And so, um, so there's going to be a, a lot of kind of detail stuff. There's a lot of uh, work that needs to be done um, as we plan the new space and uh, as we raise the the money for that. We still need to raise quite a bit of, of money to build this new space. So we're really asking you to, to think and pray about all aspects of that. We, we need your prayer as a staff to have a, a sense of, of oneness and really God's purpose as we cast this vision. Um, we, we need God's provision both in helping get this new building built, but also um, just spaces in our, our year without, without a building. Reframingthehouse.com, if you can write that down or keep that in your, in your brain, um, that is really the website for this whole new project. And so would you be willing to, to pray and, and, and really share the story of what God is doing, what God has been doing in your life, and what God is doing through this place with uh, people that 
that, that we don't know with your friends and your family and with your parents and grandparents? Is there, are there some of those folks that would want to uh, come alongside this vision uh, financially and prayerfully? And so would you help us in that? We want to end the year where we started. And what we started with was this passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. Also, I realized that I talked about offering, but we didn't get offering passed. And so while I'm talking, we're going to actually pass the offering. And we're going to raise all the money for the new building in this offering right now. Here's the passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, can we stand and just kind of read this together? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. I've been talking about this Easter message that through the cross and the resurrection, we've been giving a, given a living hope that can't fade, it can't perish. Yeah, is both a, a present reality and a future promise. We started the year with these three questions. Where do you place your hope? What do you put your confidence in? What would it mean to live in the reality of the living hope? What if every decision and thought and action, how we view God, how we view ourselves, how we view the world, how we view our friendships, how we view our work, our emotions, our dating, our marriages, everything was through the lens of a living hope that is anchored to the redemption through the cross that has both a present reality and a future joy, a future promise when Jesus returns, that this hope affects both now and forever. How would that change how we live? So I wanted to come back to that because we're, we're launching into the summer. We're launching into graduates going all over the place and people doing mission stuff all over the place and some of you going back home and you know how difficult that may be. Sometimes summertime is the most spiritually dry season of the whole year because we are out of this routine and back into that routine and it's really, really difficult. So what does it mean to carry this living hope wherever you go? What does it mean that there's a ripple effect that happens out from this intersection into campus and into greater Lafayette, into Indiana and into the U.S. and wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you're going. What if you are carriers of that living hope? 
Verse 13 says, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus is revealed at his coming. Chapter 5, verse 12 says, stand firm in the true grace of God. Set your hope like a compass fully on the grace of Jesus. Stand firm in the true grace of Jesus. Let grace be your thread. This is our, our, our painting in our stairwell that Kylan did for our theme. And I love it because there's been this, this steady stream of grace that has flowed throughout human history. And that through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus then becomes this deluge of salvation and cleansing. I, I was stepping out of the car uh, a couple days ago. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just kind of park out here in the parking lot. And I was walking up toward the building. And all of a sudden, this deluge of water just hit the sidewalk in front of me. I mean, not just a few drops. It was like, uh, it, was a, it was a deluge. It was, it was, it almost just soaked me, which was ironic because we were, this was Friday, we were going to have baptisms later that night, and it was like, this is a preview. It was so confusing because I was still about 30 feet away from the building, and there are no trees, there were no, no clouds, I mean, I was so confused, you know, and I just stood there and then realized that there were guys working on the air conditioner up on the roof and they had thrown a bucket of water over, but it was this, it was this picture of living hope, you know, this deluge of hope and grace and salvation and cleansing that has this ripple effect into your life and through your life, wherever you go. And so this verse from Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power 